I feel today in the Holy Ghost to help somebody if I can. The Lord's going to have to help me. Because what I've come to preach to somebody in this place today, it, the evidence may not look good and feel good to you right now. But I want to tell you that deliverance is coming. Come on. I said deliverance is coming. I want us to pray right now. God of heaven and earth, maker of all things. You know who's in this room right now, God, and you knew when they were on their way what they needed to hear. You have put a word in my spirit today, and I pray, God, that my tongue would be as the pen of a ready writer. And that your word would drip from my mouth like honey from a comb. I pray today, God, that life would be breathed into this house. And that somebody who came in here needing to hear hope would hear hope. That somebody who came in here, Lord, looking at a circumstance that's beyond them would leave here knowing that with man it may be impossible, but with God all things are possible. In the name of Jesus, I speak life over this church. I speak life over every man, every woman, and every child that's in this house today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we give you the praise and the glory and let the church say amen. If you don't mind to set your Bibles down behind you on the seat, and we're going to clap unto the Lord like it's the last time you'll ever get to give him praise. Come on. How great is our God. Holy is your name. Holy is your name. That's beautiful, church. Come on, I believe you got about 30 seconds of that or more left in you right now. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. My soul doth magnify you. I will exalt you, holy God. I will lift you up, almighty King. There is none like you, Lord, in the heavens or the earth. You are God all by yourself, and you rule and reign in wisdom and majesty, dominion and authority forever. You are great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You are great. Come on, I feel something breaking in here right now. It feels different than it felt 60 seconds ago in here. Oh, yes, there's victory in your praise this morning. Come on, you can feel the shift in the room right now. Oh, I wish you'd worship till you speak in other tongues right now. I wish you'd bless him till you're full of the Holy Ghost. Ah, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you know God is good, would you shout hallelujah? God bless you. You may be seated if you can. Praise the Lord. God has been so good. What I'm about to tell you today is a story in which the New Testament opens up with where the angel uh, of the Lord comes and speaks to John's parents, to Zacharias and to Elizabeth. And the angel said to them that they were going to give birth to the forerunner of the Messiah, to the Christ. And then the angel of the Lord visits six months later visits Elizabeth's cousin, Mary, and speaks to her and says, you're going to give birth to Emmanuel, God with us. You're going to give birth to a child, and you're going to call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sin. Now, every year, this story is told in the month of December. When we celebrate the Christmas holidays, people love to tell the story of the birth of Jesus. But I, I want to tell you something today. This is Now, this is really deep, so you better put your floaties on. We're going to go deep. 
The ministry of Jesus had to transpire. He had to come in the flesh as a son to redeem sons. You with me? He has to come as son to redeem sons. He comes and lives for 33 and a half years, dies on a cross, is buried in a tomb, raises from the dead on the third day, spends 40 days of infallible proofs to people that he is who he says he is, that he is resurrected. Then he ascends into the heavens and is seated at the right hand of God, at his rightful place of authority. This is not saying that he is seated geographically at the right hand of the Father. That's an anthropomorphic vision of God because God does not have a right hand. So we know that Jesus is not seated on the right hand, the right side of the throne. If you read the context of the Greek language, it's saying that he is seated in the rightful place of authority. So Jesus came and lived and died and resurrected and ascended. And now he is seated on the throne. How do you know that? Because when John looked into the heavens, the revelation of Jesus Christ, he said, I saw one throne and him who sat on the throne. What I'm saying to you today is John did not look into the heavens and see the father seated in the middle, the son seated on the right hand of power, and the spirit on the left. John saw one throne, and he that sat on the throne is the same Christ that lived among you and I, so to speak, as men for three and a half years. We know beyond a doubt that God had to serve the role of being the father of all things created. So when we say that he is the father in creation, that means that he is the father of all things. In other words, as John said it, without him was not anything made that was made. He is the father of all things created. He was the son in redemption. God does not break his own rules. So God did not come to us as a father to redeem sons. God came to us as a son to redeem us as sons. If he's going to redeem a man, then God has to become a man. And that's why I've been on this candy stick that I can't get off of. That Jesus did not just come to die and be resurrected. Or he would have just arrived on the scene at 33 years of age, went straight to the cross, died, and been resurrected. Jesus came to live as a man. Jesus, as a child, I believe, you can believe it however you want to believe it, but I've got the microphone, so I guess I've got like this privilege. Jesus, I believe, cried as a baby. I believe that Jesus learned to walk. I don't believe that Jesus floated that night when he was born and they put him in that manger. I don't believe that Jesus, when they tried to set him down in that manger, it was like he was just floating on air and she kept pushing him down and he'd rise up. Mary would walk over and said, now I'm telling you, Lord, you better quit that. No. I believe he laid in that manger and I believe he cried. I believe that he laid on her chest and she gave him suck and fed him. I believe that. I believe that he was sustained by the milk of his mother just like you and I were. I believe that as a child when he learned to walk that he fell probably and skinned his knee. And I believe his mother kissed his knee and like any good mom would and said, Oh baby, it's going to be okay while tears ran down his face. I believe that perhaps he may have reached over as a child and touched the hot lamp. And his mother said, no, 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 don't, don't touch, that's hot. And she kissed his hands. But when she kissed his hands, these are the same hands that just flung stars into space. And when she kissed his brow, this is the same brow, same brow, that's going to have a crown of thorns on it. That's going to take care of the problems that's in your mind this morning. I just prophesied to somebody in the room. 
You came in here and your mind was all messed up. But I want to tell you, he took the crown of thorns for your mind. I know, I know, I know. I know that the message, the message of the age, the message of the age, and I, I want to be careful. This is not how I wanted to get started. I'm, on, I'm probably going to tick somebody off at the beginning of my sermon today, but I'll try to get you happy again. I want to tell you something this morning. The crown that he took on his head is more powerful than antidepressant drugs. I want to tell you that the blood he shed is more powerful than anything a doctor could ever prescribe you. I don't want to say too much because number one, I'm running out of time. And number two, I don't want to, I don't ever want to put anybody in a weird case. But I had a pastor call me this week. And thank God for transparency. I had a pastor call me this week and he said, he said, brother, I'm battling depression. And he said, I don't know why. He said, I think I'm going to go to the doctor. And I said, before you do, let me talk to you. I said, let me tell you something. And I started talking to him about Elijah. How that Elijah had just seen great victory. 400 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of the grove. Somebody say victory. victory. Isn't it amazing that his darkest days came after some of his greatest victories? After he had seen these prophets destroyed, the Bible said that then the intimidating voice of old Jeze, Jezebel, said, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. So what did he do? He got depressed. He got isolated. He went into a cave by himself. And when he got in the cave, somebody said, well, Brother St. Clair, you don't know that he was depressed. I'm telling you, what I call depression on me is what he was doing. Now, whether he would have had a doctor look at him and say, you're clinically depressed or not, I don't know. But when I say I feel depressed, it's exactly what he was doing. I'm by myself. There's nobody else. Nobody else has had to go through what I'm going through. The whole world's against me. And I don't know if you guys have ever sung it, but I've been real close. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I guess I'll go eat worms. I mean, I guess there's farms for that now. They're raising Worms for people to eat, but you can count me out. I mean, when I was a kid, we, we even had verses to that. First one was slimy. Second one was roasty. Third one was toasty. Anybody ever seen that? You people are gross. This man is isolated. He's by himself. And I'll, I'll stand on it till the day I die. He was depressed. I believe that he was facing dark days. Now, whatever you want to define depressed as, depressed means you're beneath what you should be. You're not running on all eight cylinders. And the Lord speaks to him and raises him up and says, Son, there are 7,000 prophets that have never bowed a knee. The Lord told him, get up from where you are. And start celebrating the miracle that I just did. Because if Jezebel could have killed you, you would have already been dead. And the battle of depression is that it always makes you believe that it's way worse than it really is. Because while you're in it, it feels real. But when you come through it and you look back on it, it was another season in your life. I'm helping somebody right now. I'm telling you, I'm in the Holy Ghost if I've ever been. I've tapped into somebody's vein and I'm getting in your bloodstream right now. The enemy tells you while you're in it, it's never been this bad, although it has. You've never seen it like this, although you probably have. You've never been this down, although you probably have. But he keeps using the same trick over and over and over to get you to the place where you don't know up from down and you don't know left from right. As a matter of fact, Job felt the same thing because he said, I went forward and I couldn't find him. I went backwards and I couldn't behold him. I went to the left and he wasn't there. I went to the right. What do I do? It's called dark days. And there's going to be dark days in your life. But number one, you need to know you are not by yourself. You are, you are not by yourself. 
And I don't want to in any way minimize what you're facing because it's real. But I want to tell you, you're not the first one that's ever needed God to bring you out. And why I'm telling you that is because if he brought me out, he can bring you out. And if he brought you out, he can bring them out. And so the Holy Ghost began to speak and I began to prophesy to this man about some things in his life that he'd asked the Lord about taking him to another level and taking him to deeper dimensions and understanding. And understanding this thought today, and I'll hurry, is that anytime you start going deeper in God and having greater victories, you are held at a different level of accountability. And the more dominion you take over principalities and powers, the more that you have pushing back against you. Do you believe what I'm telling you right now? So if, if, you, just, if you just want to have dominion over your little house and your four walls and don't care about anything else, then just be happy and live life. But if you want to walk in dominion and power and authority, you can guarantee this, the devil don't give up ground easy. And the reason why you feel so many dark days in your life is because the Spirit of God is trying to nudge you and say, you are taking over territories that you didn't have yesterday. And that feeling that you have right now is the enemy pushing back against you. I know, I know how the devil works. He gets you depressed about your kids right before they come back to the Lord so that you'll quit praying for them. The devil tries to blindside you in the middle of your victories so that your focus is on what you've got to lose and not what you've just won. Elijah, you need to know that there are 800 prophets that will never give a false prophecy again because of what the Lord has done in your life. Don't you let the intimidating spirit of Jezebel lock you up in a cave of depression. Come out of there and know that she doesn't control your destiny. And this is what I'm convinced, and I mean this sincerely. I don't have time to stay here. Maybe we'll talk about it someday. But there is more talk about mental health today than there's, there's ever been. And you know what? I think there's definitely some serious problems. I really do. But I want to tell you what I believe some people are dealing with. I believe some people are dealing with the pushback of what you're feeling in the spirit. And you have asked God to make you more sensitive to the things of the spirit. And you feel your surroundings different than you used to. Am I making sense to anybody? And then you find a doctor that will convince you that you're clinically depressed. And so they start medicating you to where you can't feel what God's trying to. I honestly believe that I've prayed for people who are demonically possessed. But they are so medicated for their possession that before you can cast out the devil, you got to get through the chemical. Layers and layers and layers and layers. And then you, you get to the place where you have so many chemicals in your body that you say, I don't, I don't even feel God anymore like I used to. Anything that, that changes the chemistry of your body is going to change the way that you react to things. But I want to tell you that not every time I cry is because I feel down. Not every time I'm weeping is because I'm losing. Sometimes I just start weeping because God has been so good to me that tears begin to run down my face. Don't. I'm telling you, I feel something in here. I'm pushing back against that spirit. 
in here right now. I've had people say to me, son, crying time is over. It's time to rejoice. Don't, don't ever mistake my tears for a lack of rejoicing. I'm telling you, sometimes I just realize God's been so good to me, it makes me want to cry a little bit. I feel the glory of the Lord come on me, and I got to weep a little bit. You know why? Because I could be crying because it's over. I could be crying because I'm finished, but I think I'll throw my hands in the air and say, God, you've been so good. Oh, God. Now, I know somebody would love to give this. They'd love to clip this and put it online. I know that. But the devil is a liar, and so are they. So don't misconstrue anything that I'm saying to you right now. I'm not saying that people don't have real problems. And there's not real mental issues, but I'm saying this. We better be careful when we start seeking medical assistance for things that God's trying to speak to us. I appreciate you four. Thank God for the four of you this morning. Hey, I'm telling you, the devil, the devil wants you to believe. The devil wants you to believe that there is no hope. The devil wants you to believe that there's no way out. The devil wants you to believe that it's dark. But understand me, he can only hide the light for so long. The Bible said that when Jesus was born, John quoting that after Jesus was born, when he came into the world, the Bible said in John chapter 1 that the light shined in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. When you read that, you think in English language that the darkness didn't comprehend it. Oh, bless its heart. The, the, the darkness couldn't comprehend what the light was doing. Like the little kid can't comprehend what I'm saying to them. They can't comprehend what they're learning. They can't comprehend. And we think, oh, yeah, they can't comprehend. The darkness couldn't comprehend the light. That's not what it means. It means that the darkness could not extinguish it. The darkness could not put it out. In other words, the light was so much brighter than the darkness that the darkness couldn't put it out. I'm saying to somebody in here, it may feel like it's been a long, dark night. But may I quote today in the freedom of the Holy Ghost, the psalmist, that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I feel like telling somebody today, you've been riding on the edge of hopelessness, but the sun is about to come up. Ha-ha-lo-bo-shatahaya. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to think about one thing. I want you to think about how many times you've said it's over and how many times you've heard God say it's over. I know. We like to sit down at the table because misery loves company. We love it. Because you can always find a comforter like Job had that will tell you, you think this is bad, it's about to get worse. But you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for that somebody that will come up beside me and say, you know what, Pastor? I know it's tough, but God has always come through. And he always will. So my point that I'm trying to get to is all, all of this. I, I want this to be crystal clear. All of the amazing things that Jesus did. This was the deep part I was talking about. Get your floaties on. The life that he lived. And it was amazing. Raising the dead. Opening blinded eyes. Healing lepers. All of it was amazing. Man, I don't know if y'all are ready for this now. The crucifixion was amazing. The burial was amazing. The resurrection was amazing. But he couldn't have done any of that if he wouldn't have been born. I, I know you're blown away right now. Uh, duh, pastor. He couldn't have done any of that if he wouldn't have been born. That's right. So let me talk to you about that process. The angel of the Lord comes to this woman who has never known a man. 
whom I believe is probably at the happiest stage of her life. She just got engaged. She's going to be married. Old Joe's a pretty good carpenter. He's going to make her a good, honest living. They're going to have their own house. They're going to raise their own kids. They're going to go about their own way in Nazareth. And everything's going to be all right. She's going to work the front counter when the favor of the Lord rests on them. And everybody stops by and says, hey, I need Joe to come build me a new door frame in my house. I've got it. I'll put him on your schedule. He'll be there this week. She's got it all lined out. It's going to be amazing. We're going to live a happy life. It's going to be perfect. Whew, thank God for perfect marriages. And just about the time that she settles in, gets feeling cruise control. I'm so tired of wedding planning. I'm just so exhausted. I know what the whole day is going to be like. I can't wait. Oh, you know what? I better be sure. Tomorrow morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sure that the baker has my cake just right. I need them to know that my cake needs to be just right. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, women. Me and my wife got married, and, and she was like, we got to do a cake testing. Like, what? They've tasted the same at every wedding I've ever been to. I mean, fight me on that. I mean, it's so real now. Now you can get you can get a you can get a snow cone that tastes like a wedding cake. You can get ice cream that tastes like wedding cake. You act like you don't know what wedding taste going to. I'm gonna tell you what it's gonna taste like. It's gonna be dry because it sat out all day long while you had a godforsaken long 14-hour long wedding. That's what it's gonna taste like. Gonna do. It. She's like, ooh, I, I need to be sure they know it was option three, and she's. She's so excited. Thank God people get excited. You know what, guys? If your wife wants to taste, taste cake for 14 days, go with her. I mean, good Lord. You're not that busy. And so Mary's laying there tossing and turning. I can't tell you how many nights I've gone to bed. Just as I'm going to doze off, my wife remembers one more thing. Mary's laying there. She's tossing, turning. The cake's got to be right. I got to be. I, I, I got to be sure they get me the best grapes. We need the best wine. It's gonna. It's gonna be a great wedding. Need to be sure. And she dozes off in her busyness to sleep. Just as she starts to fall asleep, a bright light comes on, and they didn't have switches back then. This light fills the room. She's like, "What?" And this voice comes to her, and this is not verbatim. I'm, I'm not going to give you the King James. I'm going to give you the St. Luke version. This angel walks in and says, God is about to wreck your life. You just thought that you were going to get married and go about your way and everything was going to be all right. But God has a need for your life. You didn't see yourself giving birth to the Messiah. But because you are the kind of vessel that he's looking for. God is about to put something inside of you. That you're going to have to carry. Now look. We all rejoice. Because we have read the story. About the great Christmas night. That was definitely not in December. When Jesus Christ our Lord was born. We've all read it. We're like. Wow! But there is no Christmas without the woman. That is the available parking spot for the Messiah for nine months. Believe it how you want to. I'm telling you, that woman had some sleepless nights with a kicking baby. I promise you. That she rolled over about eight months into that thing and said, My back is killing me. But that was the easy part. Because she had to have a conversation with Joseph. 
that she has now had something conceived in her that doesn't belong to him. And she walks in with much trepidation and trembling. And she says, Joe, I got to tell you something. And Joseph said, oh, God, no. I thought, I thought, I thought I'd found the one. I, I thought, I thought, Mary, that me and you were, gonna, were just going to do our deal. You were going to be the best, the best secretary and receptionist for Joe's crafty carpentry. We had it all together. We were going to work all this out. But you do know, Mary, that in just a few days, you're not going to be able to hide what you're expecting. I'm fixing to preach to somebody in this house right now. I'm going to preach till my socks are wet in here. I'm fixing to preach to somebody in here right now. You can't be inconspicuous about what God is doing in your life and expect to give birth to anything great. Mary walked into the conversation with Joseph knowing that she had already told the Holy Ghost yes. And when you tell the Holy Ghost yes, you are willing to say that even if Joseph tells me no, I've already told God yes. It doesn't matter what my boss says when I've already told God yes. It doesn't matter what my friends say. I've already told God yes. Whatever you're speaking, Lord, nevertheless, act thy word. But the Bible said that the angel had already got to Joseph. and said, I, I want you to know that that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said he sought to put her away privily. Some say, well, that, 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 man, that man was going to divorce her. Well, I'm sorry, they weren't married, although they were called husband and wife. You've got to understand the Jewishness of this. They were only engaged. If they were married, she would have known a man. And she couldn't know a man and give a virgin birth. You with me? So they believe the only time you could put the woman away is that when you're engaged to her and you find out she's been with somebody else. It's in the law. You can go read it. He said, I want to put you away. But why do you want to do it privately? Because if it comes out publicly, she gets stoned so that he can be free. He said, baby, I, I'm just going to do this quietly. And I'm just, going to, I'm just going to have to tell people, we've got irreconcilable differences. That's famous now, isn't it? That means we're sick of working hard. Irreconcilable differences, you stinking Hollywood people. Like, it's irreconcilable. I'm taking half of his 125 million, but we're going to be okay. Pray for me and the kids. He'll make three more movies and make it all back. Listen to what I'm telling you. She is facing the trial of her life. I'm going to help you right here. You tell me how it is that what's going on inside of her is full of the Holy Ghost. But what's going on outside of her feels like the greatest hell she's ever been through. Because sometimes he's working when other people can't see it working. Sometimes he's doing something in you when other people just shake their head at you and say, there's no way that that's the truth. I want you to know, Mary, you're about to deal with some stuff over the next nine months because people are going to look at you and call you a fornicator. People are going to look at you and call you a liar. But you've got to get something in your yes that no matter what happens in your life over the next nine months, you don't turn your yes into a no because the pressure is too great. We live in an age and a society where people are changing their yes way too quickly. As soon as they get in the pressure, they start telling God, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for all this mess. I didn't sign up for all this trial. But I'm telling somebody today, there's going to be a deliverance of what God has put in.
God in your spirit. If you're going to enjoy the dream, you've got to learn to endure the nightmare. If you're going to give birth to this thing, you've got to carry the baby. We all love to talk about victory, sweet victory. I believe that Mary was in victory when people pointed at her and said, you're a fornicator. I believe she was. People aren't going to like this. But I want you to understand that the pregnancy was as much the will of God as the deliverance. That may be the best preaching I'll do all day. Pastor, I don't know why I'm in this. Listen, sometimes the will of God doesn't look like the storm is gone. But the will of God was spoken to the disciples when he said to them before they got in the boat and they start to push their way out. Woo! He said, let us go to the other side. Hang on. The will of God was just spoken. The will of God is before you ever start, you're going to make it. The will of God is no matter what happens between this shore and that shore. Come on, I want somebody to get it right now. Let me try that again. No matter what happens between this shore and that shore, you're going. Come on, you're going. God, I wish you'd get that in your spirit right now. I wish somebody would shout it out this morning. I'm going to make it. I don't know. <laughs> God have mercy. Throwing buckets over. Ah, my vessel's filling up. Somebody get Jesus. We're going to die. Hurry up. Wake him up. Get it. Hang on just one second. Your first sign ought to be he's sleeping when you're freaking out. Can I say that one more time? I said the first sign to you should have been he's at peace and at rest while you're freaking out saying, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. He's saying, I'm resting. I'm resting. And they look at him and say, how dare you rest while I'm freaking out? Can I preach to you that there's a lot of people in here this morning that's had that same conversation with God. How dare you be quiet while I'm freaking out? You ought to be miserable like me. How dare you be so good while it feels so bad? Woo! God, why are you so calm? When I feel so crazy. Let me tell you why. Because you're not in the control of the storm and never have been. You're not in control of the storm and never will be. But the one that's at perfect peace and perfect rest. He, oh my God. He controls the wind and the waves. When he calmed the storm, they said, what manner of man is it? I can tell you the manner of man it is. It's the manner of man that's working even when you don't see him working. When you don't feel like he's working and the storm is raging and you feel like you're going to die. He's got this. I'm hurrying. Everybody doing all right? <laughs> I'm hurrying this morning, but I won't be done in four minutes. So she leaves the house. She knows what she's got to lose, but she also knows what she's got to gain. How she know? Because she got a word. Sometimes all you got's the word. The word said, let us go the other side. Her word said, that which is conceived and used of the Holy Ghost, you're going to bear a child. I've got the word. But the word that's in you has got to be greater than the opposition that's against you. Boy, I feel like I wish I had instant replay in here today, Reagan. I said, the word that's in you is greater than the opposition 
Pastor, do you know what they've been saying about me? Do you know what he's been saying to you? I don't care what they say about me. I want to know what's God saying about me. You know what I believe God is saying? When Jesus said, let us go to the other side, what he was really saying is, you can make it whether you think you can or not. You can make it whether I heal your body or not. You can make it whether your family's reconciled or not. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You got to get a yes in your spirit that is more powerful than the no that the world is sending at you. Because we all know, we all know that everybody's always going to be in your corner. Wow. You guys too, huh? Let me ask you a question. Is God as able to do it when he's not doing it as he is while he is doing it? So she comes running in to Elizabeth. No doubt. Her mind's still full of questions. But her heart is full of expectation. And when she walks through the door... Elizabeth's response is not, how dare you? Oh, God. Because the spirit in which Mary walks in, it just says to the room, something good is happening. Mary doesn't walk into the room going, are you okay, Mary? Mary, you, are you okay? Yeah. I guess God's trying to do something in me. I don't know. But you, you look a little down. Yeah. I don't know. This is one of my favorites right here. I love this. Yeah. I, he's in control. I'm going to tell you what he needs a little more control of there, Mr. Happy. <laughs> Are you hearing me right now? He may be in control of something, but he ain't in control of that frown that's on your face or it wouldn't be there. Don't you dare look at anybody in here It looks like they've been baptized in pickle juice. I tell our guests all the time, don't you walk up to anybody in here that don't look happy. Because I know I'm good enough, they're probably not. If you got any questions, look for somebody that during worship they were going. You know why? Because I've seen those people stand at caskets one week. And in the house of God, the next service. I've seen those people lose jobs and walk in here the very next service, dancing, shouting. Mary comes walking into the room, and Elizabeth goes, boom! The Holy Ghost got on her, and the baby jumped in her womb. And she said, oh, God, I feel something moving on me right now. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? The Holy Ghost, God on her. The Spirit of the Lord got to moving on her. I'm telling you, when God's doing something in you that's so powerful, and you've said yes to it, when you walk in the room, people are going to know there's a difference. Mary, oh, I wish somebody would see this with me right now. Mary did not have to say a single word to defend herself to Elizabeth. She walked in with confidence in her yes. And when she walked in the room, the Holy Ghost went before her and got to moving on her. And the Bible said the Spirit of the Lord got on Elizabeth. And the Bible said she spake with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit that's in you. Blessed are you, and blessed is what God is doing in you. You know what you need in the kingdom of God. You need some people that will touch and agree with you and say you're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. You're blessed when you come in and you're blessed when you go out. 
And I love this part. Verse 45. Blessed is she that hath believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. I need somebody that will hold my hand when the evidence don't look like it's about to happen. I need somebody that will hold my hand and say, God's going to do what he said he's going to do. <laughs> God is going to do what he said he's going to do. You may have 15 no's between now and the yes. But for 15 no's, you've got a yes in your spirit that says God is going to do what he said he's going to do. I'm going to preach it till you get it this morning. The devil is a liar and the truth is not in him. Hallelujah. I'm closing. I'm hurrying. Music's welcome to come this morning. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, we all love to talk about Father Abraham. It's amazing. But the thing about the Bible, when you look at stories like Abraham, you look at stories like Mary, how many of, how many of you really, really like the drama of the story of Jonah? Isn't that good? <laughs> Laying in the belly of a well. Whoa, God brought him out. Yeah, and he had to live through it. We read that book of Job and we're like, whew, thank the Lord. God restored tenfold. Yeah, but he had to lose something to get something restored. We read the Bible and it's like we rejoice in the end of the story. But somebody in here today is still living the story that's not over yet. You're in here today and God hasn't answered you yet. And you feel like he never will. Will it ever be vindicated? Will it ever get fixed? Will it ever stop? Yeah, it will someday. But where will you be and what state of mind will you be in when God finally judges on the matter? Because I've seen some people that walk away just before judgment. Come on. They'll walk out on God. They'll quit praying. They'll walk out on that prayer room right before God sends the answer. Let me ask you a quick question. I don't have time to preach it. What do you think would have happened if Daniel would have stopped praying and fasting at day 20? Do you not think maybe two weeks in, Daniel's fasting his belly button, back of his belly button, feels like it's kissing his spinal cord? That he's not saying, God, will there ever be an answer in Babylon? But while he's wrestling with his flesh on the earth, and angels wrestling in the heavens with the prince of Persia. It ain't never going to happen. It ain't never going to happen. Daniel, get up off the ground. You've been here two weeks and God's never answered. I can't get it out of my spirit. God's going to do something. And every day that Daniel prays, that angel wrestles with the, per, per, the prince of Persia. And after 21 days, God said, all right, he's got it. I'm sick of it. He, hey, Michael. Get down there and get that spirit of Persia off. Get that prince. Get, you go down there and hold him back because I need the word to get to him. I'm here to tell somebody today that day 21 is closer than you think. There's a wrestling match in the heavens. I feel something prophetic on me right now. There's a wrestling match in the heavens that's just about ready to come to an end. And God is about to send an answer to you. But you got to be found with your face in the soil seeking the face of God. It may not look like it's coming, but God is going to do it. There shall be a deliverance. book of Hebrews the 11th chapter the Bible said in verse 8 by faith Abram when he was called to go out into a place which he should after to receive for an inheritance he obeyed and he went out this is so powerful not knowing well thank God Abraham went yeah thank God he did but he didn't know where he was going he went to a place not knowing where he was going and by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles or tents with Isaac and Jacob and theirs with him the same promise. For he looked for a city. For a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. It goes on through by faith, so powerful. 
Sarah herself received the strength to conceive. It was too late. It wasn't supposed to happen. She got the faith to conceive. So powerful. But stay with me. Verse 17. He obeyed God. God responded. Sarah responded. Her womb responded. She has the baby. By faith, Abraham. When he was tried, the same faith that got Isaac here was the same faith that took Isaac to the mountain. By faith, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Verse 19, Lord have mercy. We could say it like this, taking into account that God was able to raise him up if he had to from the dead. I want you to think about this faith. If this is what God wants, I'll slay him because my yes is so powerful that I believe even if I slay him, God can resurrect him. This is the kind of faith that says even when I don't see the evidence, I still say yes. Because I believe that sooner or later the work that God is doing inside me, I'm going to deliver this thing. And I'm not just delivering the baby. Let me take you back to where I started in the deep waters. Without his birth, there is no Calvary. Without his birth, there is no resurrection. Without his birth, there is no ascension. Without his birth, there is no rapture. But thank God for the woman who just realized when God said, you're going to deliver this thing. You're going to go through a fiery trial in your life, but there's going to be a deliverance. And she just said, yes, God. I don't understand it. I've never known a man, but nevertheless, at thy word, when I can't see how you're doing it, my answer is still yes. When I'm as frustrated as I've ever been, my answer is still yes. When I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, my answer is still yes. When I don't know if my family's going to stand with me, the answer is still yes. I'm looking in here today for somebody that'll just say yes. Come on. If you're in this room right now, I'm not going to give a big grand altar call. If you're in here today and your answer is yes, I want you to come with those hands raised. And I just want you to look the Lord right in the face today. Look into the face of his glory and say, Lord, my answer today is yes. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Yes to your promises. Yes. He's gonna fulfill. God, it feels dark. I don't think I've ever felt this depressed in my life. Just say yes. God's gonna do it. God's going to fulfill it. I just can't get my wife to buy it and say yes to the Lord. I just can't get my husband to buy it and say yes to the Lord. Come on. I just can't get my boss to see it and say yes to the Lord. I'm going to say yes. Reach that faith toward heaven, would you, right now?